You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. With me as special guest co-host for the second consecutive episode today is Rob Apps. Rob is an award-winning freelance filmmaker based in the Boston area. Welcome again, Rob. Thank you for having me back, Jeremy. In the last episode, we met the caretaker of the Nubble Lighthouse in southern Maine. In this episode, we're going to travel just a little farther up the Maine coast to South Portland, and we're going to feature three interviews. Portland is the largest city in Maine, and the greater Portland metropolitan area is home to over half a million people, more than one-third of Maine's total population. The city of South Portland, with a bit over 25,000 people, is the fourth largest city in the state. It is situated on Portland Harbor and looks out onto the islands of Casco Bay. South Portland is home to two lighthouses and is close to several others. The Cushing's Point Museum, located within Bug Light Park, is the Museum of the South Portland Historical Society. The building was once part of a sprawling shipyard complex on the South Portland waterfront that employed as many as 30,000 people at its peak and produced 274 ocean and liberty ships during World War II. In 2009, Portland Pipeline donated the building to the South Portland Historical Society. The society had the building moved down the street to its current location and retrofitted the building to become its permanent home and museum. The Cushing's Point Museum's exhibits relate to South Portland's shipbuilding history, sardine canning factories, the city's neighborhoods, Civil War history, and of course, the local lighthouses. Catherine Onos de Filippo is the executive director of the South Portland Historical Society and the curator of the Cushing's Point Museum. I had a chance to talk with her at the museum in February. Let's listen to that conversation now. Thank you for being with me today, Kathy. Oh, thank you for having me. I'd like to talk about the local lighthouses, but before we do that, it's impossible to talk about the maritime history of South Portland without talking about shipbuilding. Can you give us a brief overview of the shipbuilding here and tell us what shipbuilding has meant to this community? Oh, well, South Portland has a long history with shipbuilding. So, um, of course, we are right, located right here on the ocean. So going way back when the European settlers came over, they would have been building ships all along our shoreline. Um, certainly here in the 1800s, say in the mid-1800s, um, South Portland, we were called Cape Elizabeth at the time, but we were a major center for wooden shipbuilding. So our people here um, were very talented in that um, aspect. So there were several shipyards here along the waterfront, um, all building these wooden sailing ships. So there was sort of a period of time when that was a, an important part of sort of the local economy, what we were all about. And then the age of steam caused a decline in that industry. So uh, when you come forward to say World War I, um, there was sort of a re renewed a rebirth of shipbuilding in South Portland. Uh, we actually had four shipyards here during World War One. One of those shipyards, Cumberland Shipbuilding, um, was building very, very large wooden cargo ships. Fast forward to World War II, and that is the huge part of South Portland's history. It's something that we still talk about today. It's a major feature here in our museum. World War II shipbuilding was immense. We made so many ships here. It's something that we feel we had um, a tie-in with world history. 
producing all of these ships um, right here in South Portland. It had long lasting effects on our community because of the housing shortages and what happened. So um, the government created a lot of housing uh, during World War II. We lost a lot of our farms that we used to have here in South Portland. All disappeared because they were sold off to developers so they would be able to build houses. But the housing need was huge and just so many effects of having a shipyard of this size um, right here in our community. It it just, like I said, even even today, we can still feel the effects of the shipbuilding. And you have some fascinating stuff here in this museum uh, related to that shipbuilding history. Now, also, of course, the Casco Bay region is a a very special destination for lighthouse buffs. That's true. Right. And uh, can you uh, say a little bit about that? Uh, Yeah. Well, of course, our museum is right here in Bug Light Park, and we're right next to um, what we call Bug Light here in South Portland. The official name is Portland Breakwater Light. Um, So being next to a lighthouse, and of course, within five minutes from here, we have Spring Point Ledge Light. Um, We see lighthouse people down here all the time. There's a lot of history here when you're next to a lighthouse. Um, Now, this lighthouse is on the National Register of Historic Places, so, and it's a a destination. I mean, we also have the benefit of having this amazing view of Portland, Portland waterfront from right here, and also looking out at Casco Bay. And I mean, if you're standing at the lighthouse, which we can see right here from the museum, looking right out the window, yes, looking right out the window here at uh, Bug Light, um, you know, we're looking right out at um, Fort Gorgeous out in the harbor and it's just a lot of harbor traffic a lot of um, activity going on amongst all the inner islands here in the harbor so it's it's a great place to be but yes we do have people come when we are open the the people are down here every day um, looking at the lighthouse and excited about it and coming here into the museum to see our lighthouse exhibit. As you mentioned, uh, you, you can actually see uh, Bug Light, Portland Breakwater Lighthouse uh, out the window where we're sitting right here, just a few hundred feet from the museum here. It is a little lighthouse, as lighthouses go, but uh, Bug Light, as it's known locally, seems to get a lot of love in the local community here. How do you see uh, Bug Light's role here in South Portland? Well, Bug Light is actually, the, the image of Bug Light is actually part of the city of South Portland's um, logo that they have. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, sort of the fact that, you know, anybody coming here into Portland Harbor, you're going to see this little lighthouse when you come into the harbor. So it's, I mean, the, the fact that the city put it on the logo makes it a big, big deal. It's funny because there was no Bug Light Park um, here um, not all that many years ago. I grew up in South Portland, lived here through the you know 70s, 80s, 90s, and um, this was an area where local people did not come. So <laughs> it was a very heavy commercial industrial area. That's the way that I remembered it growing up. Um, so it wasn't until they put um, Bug Light Park in here uh, that it really opened it up to local people. It, now I feel that Bug Light and, and the park that is here is really just a major part of life here in South Portland. There are so many large events that take place here in the park. So many people, elderly people that can come down here, you can drive down into the park, you can sit in the parking lot right next to the lighthouse, looking, I mean, the ocean's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many places that provide that kind of access um, to the waterfront, uh, but for somebody who's again, older or has mobility issues, their ability to come down here into the park and be able to experience this every day is something that's very, very special. Yeah. But but again, all kinds, I mean, families, everybody comes down here. The kite flying is a huge thing down here next to the lighthouse. Yeah. Um, So it's just very much a part of life here in the city. I, I remember the first time I came here to see the lighthouse was probably 
sometime in the 1980s. And yeah, it was just a wasteland here. Yeah. It was like a big vacant lot. I think I it, for a long time, there was an old like chain fence around, so you couldn't even get to it. Um, yeah, I could get to it at that time, but the lighthouse was in rough shape. And it was just a vacant lot with, I think, scrap metal around. Yeah. And it was really a mess. And it's just, a, it's really amazing and beautiful to see what's been done with it. And uh, there's just always people enjoying the view here and walking their dogs and Absolutely. everything else. This, this park is such a gem. We are so mm -hmm. lucky in South Portland to have this. Yes. Um, it was really quite a vision, I think, of the people. Uh, mm -hmm. It was actually led by the people who, when this, this land down here in the lighthouse, everything all came up for sale. Um, it was the people of South Portland that came forward and said to the city, you know, we should do something with this lighthouse, with the land here around the lighthouse, and we should create a park. And um, so it was it was a huge effort, um, but it's, it's glorious. <laughs> it's a glorious thing today to see. It is, and I always love coming here. Now, I know you've gotten to meet some of the descendants of the keepers of uh, Bug Light. Uh, they've passed along information and photographs to you, some of which are on display in the in the museum. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We're actually lucky. We have um, the great-granddaughter of William Holbrook, who was one of the lighthouse keepers. Um, his great-granddaughter is actually one of our volunteers here. So she's actually one of the people that you would meet coming into the museum, who she gives tours um, in the museum. I love it when she's here because people come in and they can actually talk to her. Um, her father and her uncle and her aunt were all born actually right there in the light lighthouse, in the keeper's house here at Bug Light. Um, so she has a lot of stories in her family uh, about what it was like for them living here, um, living at the lighthouse and the difficulties of, you know, that lighthouse was almost 2,000 feet out in Portland Harbor. So it was a long, long breakwater. And so she's very, very interesting stories about that. I also was just happened to be here when we had first opened the museum when one of Preston Marr's um, descendants came in. And he was the last lighthouse keeper to serve here at Bug Light. And again, the same thing. He came in and we actually had an exhibit up about William Holbrook with a lot of information from the Holbrook family. And then he ended up going back to his family and they came forward with, again, more photographs of Preston Marr and his family, um, a lot more photographs of the lighthouse, and again, a lot more stories to share. Um, but very interesting um, when talking to both of those families, um, they have a very similar story in that um, the lighthouse keeper from their family lived in that house with a spouse, with children, and their grandchildren born in that house. Um, and so it's funny that the stories are very, very similar. Um, and so you wonder, we, we have a list of all of the past um, lighthouse keepers up in our lighthouse exhibit, and it is our hope that more of the descendants will... <laughs> come in and maybe we'll learn more about it too. But again, having a house um, where they lived, it was very much a family operation here at Bug Light, which mm -hmm. is very different than some other lighthouses. Um, you know that the lighthouse keeper's wife knew how to operate that lighthouse. I'm sure his kids knew how to operate that lighthouse. Um, and Bug Light only ever had just one lighthouse keeper at a time. So you know that you know with him covering that lighthouse seven days a week, that his family um, was definitely behind him in operating that. I know Ray Holbrook wrote some memoirs of life there that are really entertaining to he read. Did. I've quoted from them in a couple of my books, <laughs> and I love his... Uh, one of the things he said is that he and his brother, their favorite game as kids was to 
throw stuff in the water to see what what floated. <laughs> I love is, him talking about the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you tried to time your visits as much. Yeah, as I time you your visits. It was an outhouse with the opening just cut through the platform down to the water below. Right. If you could help so. it, you didn't want to go out there in the winter storm at high tide. <laughs> That's right. Couldn't always help it though. But. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's see, we should uh, move on. How about Spring Point Ledgelight, which is just down the street here, just uh, several hundred feet away? Uh, what makes that special to the community here? Well, for again, for South Portland, we have two lighthouses. So both Bug Light and um, Spring Point Ledgelight are on that National Register of Historic Places. And again, it's a big draw for the city, um, having that there. Um, the thing that I like about Spring Point, so, so Bug Light, um, because of the fill that came here during uh, World War II, that lighthouse used to be, Bug Light used to be out, again, way out in Portland Harbor, and yet now it seems like it's almost on land. You have almost the reverse over at Spring Point, which for much of its days in operation was just a, a, the spark plug lighthouse out there in the water, and the lighthouse keepers had to, you know, row out to the lighthouse and haul themselves up inside. But now there's a breakwater that goes out to Spring Point, and I think that makes it rather unique. Um, it's a, a great destination where, again, it's easy to get to. Uh, people can drive right to the parking lot right next to it. But then again, you can walk out that breakwater to the lighthouse and be able to walk around the base of it. Um, of course, and that the Spring Point Ledge Light Trust does have that lighthouse open for tours, which is um, very good too. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that breakwater though uh, provides such great access um, to the lighthouse and lets you actually be out there in the harbor <laughs> right. with the lighthouse. So it's, it's a really neat feeling. Yeah. And of course, uh, we should mention that there are also tour boats people can take out of Portland that will pass close to both. Absolutely. Both well, we're very lucky here in Portland mm -hmm. Harbor because we have so many lighthouses. So, mm -hmm. um, absolutely, we've got tour boats going out that can take you past um, Bug Light, past Spring Point, out to Portland Head, which is again very, very close to here by mm -hmm. water. And then, of course, you've got Ram Island um, mm -hmm. and Halfway Rock right out here, too. Yeah. So, um, and then two lights just a little bit further south. So, we have so many lighthouses right here. It's, uh, it's a pretty unique area. A good, again, a good destination for um, lighthouse lovers because you can take in so many lighthouses in one day. Yeah. And speaking of that, why should lighthouse nuts, and I, I'm one of those, so I can use that term, uh, <laughs> why should lighthouse nuts want to stop in at uh, the Cushing's Point Museum here while they're in the, the area? Oh, well, we, like I said, because we are right here next to the lighthouse, um, literally, I mean, looking out the window, looking at the lighthouse, we put uh, an exhibit here um, in the museum that covers both the history of Bug Light and the history of Spring Point Ledge Light. So um, we are a historical society, so we are South Portland Historical Society, but again, blessed with two lighthouses in our one community. Um, so we tell the history of both of those lighthouses here. And the other good thing is that, again, we do have docents here who are museum guides. And so when people come into the museum, it's, you know, as opposed to maybe you come and just look at the lighthouse and maybe there's even an informational display you could look at. But again, coming into a museum like this, when you have um, a personal guide who can take you around, answer questions, provide more information, um, it's, a, it's a nice exhibit. Has uh, has a lot of information and uh, a lot lot more to learn than just looking at the outside of the lighthouse. So, Kathy DeFilippo, the Cushing's Point Museum. Thanks so much for being with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Spring Point Ledge Lighthouse in South Portland is a so-called spark plug type lighthouse built on a cast iron caisson. When it was built in 1897, about 900 feet offshore. The resident keepers had to travel back and forth by boat. 
It was connected to shore by a granite breakwater in the early 1950s, making it a very rare case of a caisson lighthouse that can be accessed on foot. It's also passed by many tour boats leaving Portland in the warmer months. The Spring Point Ledge Light Trust was formed in 1998 to acquire ownership of Spring Point Ledge Lighthouse. It was one of more than 20 lighthouses in Maine that were turned over to new stewards under the Maine Lights Program. The transfer of ownership took place in a public ceremony on June 20, 1998. The mandate of the Spring Point Ledge Light Trust is to maintain the structure in good condition, to restore and repair it as necessary, and to educate the public and allow access whenever possible. In February, I had a chance to speak with Art Green, chairman of the Spring Point Ledge Light Trust. Let's listen to that conversation now. Thanks for being with me today, Art. Thanks for having me. Art, uh, the fact that Spring Point Ledge Light was an offshore lighthouse for so much of its history, but you're able to open it to the public, uh, I think that makes it pretty special. Can you comment on that? Yes. Um, with the uh, advent of the uh, breakwater in uh, the early 50s, it gave us the, uh, the ability to, to have people come out and visit it. And it, it is one of the uh, only caisson-style lighthouses that you can walk to. It's a pretty precarious walk going out there. There's three to five ton blocks of granite with a reasonable amount of space between them. So proper footwear and um, caution is really a must. Two ladders it has to be climbed as well. So it's a challenge. I always tell people if they're going to walk out there to pay close attention to every step they take because it's not a real long walk, but you you got to watch where you're stepping because, as you say, there are gaps between the, the blocks and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So could you say a little bit about the uh, open house schedule for 2019? We will be open every Tuesday. I'll be there every Tuesday from 11 to 2. So uh, that's my commitment. And again, this is all depending on the weather and uh, the availability of uh, the volunteers. We'd like to get another day, uh, possibly Thursday, so we'll, have an, uh, we'll be open on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then, of course, weekends. But again, this is relying on volunteers. And mm-hmm. if, as we all know, volunteers, uh, their time is quite... Yeah, it's always a challenge. It is a challenge, yeah. yes. So you say weekends. What are the hours on Saturdays and Sundays? Uh, usually 11 to 2. And if there's a special event, we can open for a bus tour or something. There's a small fee which supports the lighthouse. All our money is $5 a person to, to go through this. And the money is, of course, used to, to maintain the lighthouse and not keep it. So. And that's starting Memorial Day? Memorial Day, usually, and through to Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. And again, if there's a special event, you can notify me or anyone on the trust, and we can make arrangements. Oh, it's a great thing. Uh, Over the years, I've been in the lighthouse a number of times when it's been open. The volunteers do a tremendous job. uh, And, uh, you know, I really recommend it because, as we've said, it's it's unique. You know, it was an offshore lighthouse for much of of its history. Uh, It's the only lighthouse of its type, as far as I know, that people can actually walk out to. Uh, So it's really a a unique thing, and I I recommend it very highly to people uh, if they're coming to the southern Maine coast. Uh, do you know, uh, do you have a, a ballpark uh, number? How many people actually visit the lighthouse in the course of a year? In the course of a year, we have uh, usually around 3,000 people. Wow. 
and uh, on our open house day on uh, main light house day we I think we had 300 people going through free of charge but we were taking donations it also helped you know we picked up an extra few hundred dollars few hundred dollars on yeah. to go toward the maintenance of the lighthouse that's great I'll just mention that main open lighthouse day is a, a day in September that's an event run by the uh, American Lighthouse Foundation along with uh, various organizations and the US Coast Guard where uh, more than 20 lighthouses are open uh, some of which are, are not generally open and many thousands of people take part in that event every every September uh, it's always on a Saturday in September Spring Point Ledge Light in its active well it's still an active light it's an automated light it's still yes. an active aid to navigation but back in its days when it was staffed or manned, it was a so-called stag station, males only. Families never lived at it. That's right. Uh, and they lived inside the lighthouse. The keepers went back and forth by boat in those days before the breakwater was there. And probably the most, uh, you know, I don't want to shortchange the other keepers, but probably the most famous keeper that ever lived there was a man by the name of Gus Wilson. Can you tell us a little bit about Gus Wilson? Yeah, well, Gus, <laughs> he was quite a character. Uh, Gus would uh, carve these decoys when he was uh, in his spare time, and he'd buy these Boy Scout knives four at a time in Portland at one of the, the uh, sports stores. And uh, if he was, uh, if he wasn't giving them away to his friends and relatives, he was selling them at the sporting goods store for seventy-five cents a piece. And uh, they became quite famous for his style and design. It wasn't just a decoy; some of them actually were showing a preening themselves and they had a herring maybe hanging out of their mouths and they became quite popular and quite famous. So from 75 cents, they've actually, I think one went to auction for six figures back in 2002. Mm -hmm. he, he was, uh, he went from 75 cents to six figures yeah. on these docks. I think it was actually one went for about $300,000 oh, uh, not too long ago. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he, I don't know, he, Use the material that he had around. He did paint. He found some old automobile paint. He'd have to rough it up with the sandpaper to make it kind of dull the finish on it. That was his pastime. So uh, the trust has completed uh, many uh, preservation projects uh, over the years. I think uh, the most recent was the replacement of the windows. That was last year, I believe. And uh, can you tell me if there are any other restoration projects planned at this point? We, um, other than this, the small little jobs, uh, we have a railing that has to be uh, some work done on it. I think one of our major endeavors is going to be the uh, foundation of the lighthouse. Right, the caisson. The caisson the, itself. Yeah. It's been repaired and strapped. It's, But we're, we're uh, kind of looking at, uh, we've got to get a little more deep into what's going on in there between the riprap around it. And uh, so it's... It's going to be a matter of either x-raying it or finding someone that can deal with what's going on in there. We don't need any surprises where this thing's going to end up leaning all of a sudden. So yeah. that's going to be, and that's going to be something that uh, it's going to be a major endeavor. Sure. I know typically that's uh, the biggest issue with that type of lighthouse, the cast iron caissons, where the plates that comprise the caissons start kind of splitting apart over time so that's yeah, salt water and 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 uh, ice and freezing tends to play havoc with yes. metal and steel it's a hostile environment it there's is. no doubt about that what's your favorite thing about spring point ledge lighthouse well it's a unique lighthouse in itself but i think it's, it's got to be the volunteers i think we're we're a small group but uh 
they're really dedicated. They're um, they're a great bunch of people. Everybody seems to have their own little um, as a docent have their own little style in presenting the lighthouse and information. And we I tend to to pick up a lot of. Um, knowledge from listening to everybody else. Uh, we have a program where the volunteers will partner with uh, a keeper that has the experience until they get that comfort level. So if somebody's new at wanting to be a docent, they have the ability to parent up with somebody with a little experience until they get that comfort level and then they can go off on their own. And then they acquire their own design and style of presenting either the forts or the uh, the information in the history of Portland. So it's got to be the I believe the the members of the trust and the volunteers are are the big thing I think with Spring Point. And anything else you'd like to add as far as uh, anything you'd like to say to uh, to people who might be driving up the Southern Maine coast? Why should they they turn off the road and come visit Spring Point Ledge Light? Well. The breakwater and being able to walk out into it is kind of its uniqueness in itself. We have four other lighthouses in the area, so if somebody's really into lighthouses, they can get their fill within a matter of a couple hours. So you could be at Portland Head Light and then scoot down to SMCC and see ours, and then to the next quarter mile, you're over at uh, Bug Light. So, uh, and then you have across from Portland Head Light, we have Ram Island Ledge. So you can get you can get your fill of lighthouses just in a, an afternoon on a summer day or even the fall. It's it's kind of nice. It's a very special region around here, that's for sure. It is. Well, thank you so much for your time, Art. Art Green of the Spring Point Ledge Light Trust. I really appreciate it. Thanks so oh, much. Thanks for having me. Since 1989, the Rotary Club of South Portland and Cape Elizabeth, Maine, has been caring for Portland Breakwater Lighthouse in South Portland. The little cast-iron lighthouse, which was built in 1875, is affectionately known locally as Bug Light and is one of very few lighthouses anywhere with a design that was inspired by an ancient Greek monument, the Choragic Monument of Lysicrates in Athens. The lighthouse is on the city seal of South Portland and is a centerpiece of Bug Light Park, which hosts a popular kite festival every spring and a 4th of July celebration, among other events. Jack Roberts is originally from Bangor, Maine, and he was South Portland's Director of Public Welfare for 35 years. He's now retired and lives in nearby Scarborough. He has spearheaded the preservation of Portland Breakwater Lighthouse for nearly 30 years. I've known Jack Roberts for years, and I had a chance to sit down and talk with him in February. Let's listen to that conversation now. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jack. Glad to be here. So, Jack, uh, why is Portland Breakwater Lighthouse known better locally as Bug Light? Where does that name come from? My understanding that a number of small lighthouses look like bug lights, and that's how they have to be named that. There's no real definite uh, history as to when it was started to be called that, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I've, I've seen a few different explanations for that. But as you say, it seems to be a common nickname for kind of uh, unusual looking small lighthouses as far as, as far as I've been able to tell. Uh, so how did the uh, Rotary Club of South Portland and Cape Elizabeth come to be the steward for the lighthouse? Well, back in 1988, 
Dana Anderson was the Parks and Recreation Director for the uh, City of South Portland, and I also worked for the city. And as the incoming president, Dana approached me to see if the club would be willing to put up $13,000 in seed money to leverage uh, Bicentennial Lighthouse Fund money that was had been made available through the Maine Historical Society. And at the time, uh, we had a bulletin that was the two lights, uh, not the two lights in Cape Elizabeth, but Portland Headlight, which was on the city seal or the town seal for Cape Elizabeth, and Bug Light, which was on the city seal uh, for South Portland. So the two lighthouses were, were our symbols for the club. And at that time, Bug Light looked like it probably should have been bulldozed and just discarded. It was a, a rusted heap of metal. Uh, windows were broken out. The fence had gone. There was no park at the time, so it was just all weeds all around it. It was really a rather ugly-looking structure. We saw it as an opportunity to fix up a symbol of the club, a symbol of the city. So we agreed that we could help out. Oh, at that time, we didn't have enough money to provide the 13000 in one year, but the city knew we were good for it and allowed us to put in $6,500 uh, when Doug Stewart was the president in 88, and then the other $6,500 when I was president in 89. And that's how it all started. I remember when I first uh, visited uh, to see, came here to see the lighthouse, uh, probably a little bit earlier in the 80s, how bad it looked. And before Bug Light Park was established here, how bad the whole area looked. Uh, and it's really remarkable to see how, you know, how things have changed here, both with the lighthouse and the, the park over the years. What were some of the, the biggest challenges you faced as far as uh, restoring the lighthouse? The biggest challenge is coming up with the money. <laughs> yeah. The rest of it was all done through the city. The city actually coordinated the, uh, the contracts, getting the people to come in and do it. And at the time, they, had, they literally tented the entire structure. My understanding is they took off a ton of lead-based paint and little quarter-inch chips that uh, nothing was allowed to go into the harbor. They replaced the windows at the time, did a bunch of metal brazing to try to repair a lot of the metal that was in structural, structurally damaged. And they put a new fence around the structure for safety reasons. I suspect they did more than that, but I have never seen the actual invoice as to what they did in, in totality. But I do have a picture that the Portland Press-Herald took at the time with the uh, lighthouse all wrapped with scaffolding all around it. So Dana Anderson, a number of years later, told me that the 13000 that we had put in actually leveraged close to $70,000 worth of work. So that was a great use of our money by those Christmas trees. <laughs> Some years later, the, the whole uh, process uh, kind of culminated, in a way, in the uh, relighting of the lighthouse in 2002. It uh, did, yes. I had, um, for years, wanted to get a light in into the lighthouse because it was just an empty shell. It a lighthouse is not a lighthouse without a light. And so we actually approached the, uh, the Coast Guard and the Maine Historical Society because there's no power to bug light. If I could interrupt for a second, I, I just want to mention the uh, the light had been turned off, uh, I think it was in 1942, during the period in World War II when the, this area uh, had uh, just a sprawling uh, shipyard complex. Had a shipyard complex, mm -hmm. and all of the lights in the area 
were dimmed or darkened. The lights actually taken out of several of them to keep the German U-boats able to key in on locations by using the lighthouses. And after World War II, the light was not used, so the light never got put back into it, uh, which was unfortunate because nobody had any interest in the lighthouse for years after that. We um, It was a dream to get that in for a number of years, and we had a member in the, the club who prefers to remain anonymous, but who had the right contacts to to see that it happened. And the only difficulty we did have was it has a solar panel to uh, run the, the modern solar light. And Earl Shuttleworth at the time was the uh, head of the Maine Historical Preservation Society. And I think Earl had the idea that this panel would be as big as the, the lighthouse. But the truth is, when we told him how small it would be, that he was agreeable to having us put the panel on it and to run that light. It's only 18 by 18 inches. So <laughs> you can hardly see it. Most people don't even know it's there, even right. when they walk up to it. Yeah. I think in the early days of uh, solar technology or solar-powered lights at lighthouses, the solar panels were, were much larger. Uh, I was here for that relighting event, and it was uh, it was really exciting. Uh, I remember it. It was well. really. I particularly uh, enjoyed it. I met a couple of people that I knew that uh, whose grandparents had were had been keepers at the lighthouse. Pauline Brilliant and um, Deb, Debbie Conley. Uh, Debbie had been a neighbor, and Pauline used to come in with work because we never discussed bug light, and they were both surprised to see me there and. I was quite surprised to see them there at the dedication. And they really appreciated having that done. Mm-hmm. Were they descendants of the Holbrooks? One was the Holbrooks and the other was Ma. Pauline was a descendant of the Ma's and the Connellys were from the Holbrooks. That's great that they were able to be here. Could you say a little bit about what uh, you think bug light means to the community of uh, South Portland and, and to just to this whole area? I think it is the... Probably the primary reason that the park took off as well as it did. Uh, it is the focal point of the of this whole area. You get a beautiful advantage of the inner harbor. You can see Fort Gorges. Um, from the top of the lighthouse, you can see Spring Point. And I think on a good day, you might even, without a ship over there at Portland Pipeline, you may even be able to see Portland Headlight down the at the at the beginning of the harbor as they're coming in. The, uh, I called it back in 2002 the crown jewel of the park, and I still think it, it is. Um, the city of South Portland owns the light, but they've given the Rotary Club free reign on taking care of it because mm-hmm. it hasn't cost them a dime that way. Yeah. And we've been more than willing to do it. It's been a, a project, a, a labor of love. Now, I know one of the uh, un- kind of unusual things you've done as far as uh, maintenance goes is the... Uh, the use of prison work crew for painting the lighthouse is that something you might want to comment on? I was I was here one time when that was that was happening a couple of years ago. I believe we had the prisoners come in either three or four times. It take them about two weeks to paint it, even though it's small. There's so much detail with the Denton and the columns and the Ascania leaves and the acroteria and everything else that it's a two week job. Our only cost at the time to do was to purchase the paint. And we, we treated them to a very good lunch every day. Mm-hmm. And they enjoyed getting out. Um, yeah. And most all of them that came over were not high-risk prisoners. In fact, one of the sheriffs that came with them one day said mentioned that the, the, the gentleman that came over to work 
he could have gone back to the office and then come back at three o'clock to pick him up. And they were there for minor infractions, dumb things. Mm-hmm. They did an excellent job. Yeah. We, but the last couple of times we've had it painted, we've used an, a Coast Guard approved epoxy paint, and it has to be done appropriately and quickly. So we've had to pay to have that done. Just doing the white paint alone was a $4,000 job. Now, I know uh, another one of the major projects you've done recently was the replacement of some of the missing decorative... Escantia leaves, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I'm not not sure officially what they're called, but at the top of the columns uh, that was done. Was that two seasons ago now that that was done? Two years ago. we, Mm -hmm. uh, We had to take some of the leaves off. And we took them to a foundry in Standish uh, where the new cast iron leaves could be made. And then we reinstalled them. So I don't know what the full price would have been if we'd had contracted with a a contractor to come and do it. But just the price of the metal alone, having it recast was a $10,000 job. So it probably would have cost us closer to fifteen to $20,000 just... And those leaves, uh, there were none at the top of one column. Half were remaining on the second column. They were taken off when the lighthouse uh, keeper's quarter was added. Originally, there was no keeper's quarters on the lighthouse. It was back 2,000 feet on shore, which did not make much of a chore of a job getting out there in the wintertime. So they added the keeper's quarters, and when they did, those leaves were removed. And then when the house came off in approximately 1935, nobody had any idea where the, that metalwork had gotten to. So the they had the bare column and a half-decorated column from 1935 to 2016 or 17. So mm-hmm. that, again, was something that for years I wanted to get done. And we were very fortunate. We had on one of our open houses a gentleman who wanted to remain anonymous, asked us if we had any projects that we would like to do. And we said to them that we had wanted to replace these leaves, but we hadn't come up with the money to do it. And he asked us, would $4,000 help? We took the $4,000 and we got the job done. (laughs) That's always nice. Mm. Now, I know Bug Light is not open to the public on a regular basis, but it's a, it is opened uh, for special occasions occasionally and also for uh, sometimes for school groups and that type of thing. Is that right? The South Portland third graders come through every spring in May and early June. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Historical Society of South Portland Historical Society runs those tours uh, for us and the school department, I guess. Uh, the kids really enjoy the, getting into it because... It's one of the lighthouses that the smaller kids can get into and actually get up into the lantern room. A lot of the lighthouses, the, the light is still owned by the Coast Guard, and so they are off limits. The light that we have in Bug Light is a Class 1 private aid to navigation uh, that we maintain for the city, and so we are able to bring the tour groups up into the, into the lighthouse. We typically uh, open it Two or three times in the summer when there are major events going on uh, at the park. We don't get it open as often as I'd like. We're a a club of about 60 members, very active, very busy, and it's hard to get enough volunteers to do it on a regular basis. But again, that's something I have on my list. Uh, Maybe a a Friends of the Light uh, to do that so we could get it open at least once a month in the summertime. Yeah. 
Well, that would be nice. And I, I should mention that um, there are some displays on the history of the lighthouse inside the lighthouse, but if people are visiting at a time when the lighthouse isn't open, they can also come to the museum here, the Cushing's Point Museum on the edge of, which is actually in uh, Bug Light Park, and which is where we're sitting right now. Uh, there are some uh, displays and pictures to do with bug light in uh, the Cushing's Point Museum as well. And people will definitely want to check that out if they... If Always a nice side trip. Yes, absolutely. One final question. Uh, what is special about bug light to you? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I guess the fact that all my grandchildren call it Grampy's Lighthouse. <laughs> it's my reason to be. <laughs> Well, that's that's pretty special. Yeah. Well, Jax, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for letting me sh- share a little bit on Bug Light. I've uh, been known to uh, enjoy doing that. That's it for this episode of Lighthearted. Thanks for co-hosting again today, Rob. I had a blast, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. And I want to thank today's guests. Catherine Onos de Filippo of the Cushing's Point Museum, Art Green of the Spring Point Ledge Light Trust, and Jack Roberts of the Rotary Club of South Portland and Cape Elizabeth. And thanks to all the good people of South Portland, Maine. I gave van tours that went there for 11 years, and South Portland is definitely one of my favorite communities. Thanks to all the staff and volunteers of the U.S. Lighthouse Society in Hansville, Washington, and around the world. Check out uslhs.org for information on tours offered by the Society and all kinds of interesting information, including the Lighthouse Passport Program. Also, check out the USLHS on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All of you out there working for Lighthouse Preservation, keep up the good work. Thank you for listening. And keep a good light.